Hey everybody, welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church at Peterborough, Canada, and together we are on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. In today's episode, Pastor Todd is bringing us part three of our Book of James series called Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment. As Todd dives into chapter two, James instructs us to avoid favoritism and judgment at all costs. In doing so, he shows us a better frame to live our life through. Through mercy, valuing others, and connecting across divisive issues and stereotypes. With that, let's turn over to Pastor Todd with part three from our Book of James series, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment. Good morning. There's some pretty good bass on that video. That was good. You get the scripture reading and the bass was shaking the whole stage. That was good. I wanted to start this morning with a bit of a history review um, that you may or may not remember. Do you remember where you were May 27th, 1993? May 27th, 1993. Okay, so some of us are really, really young. Now, now I feel old. All right, I'm going to tell you where I was. I was sitting there watching a TV and watching my beloved Leafs do something that they did way too many times and let me down. See, at the time, I was 13. I just turned 13 two weeks before that. And my world revolved around hockey and the Leafs probably to an unhealthy level. Some might be able to argue that. And I was like what they term as a diehard Leafs fan. A diehard Leafs fan. So I loved the Leafs. But it's kind of weird because I was 12. And all of my 12 years consisted of them losing, barely ever making the playoffs, and then trading their draft picks so that we could just keep going over and over and over again. But that date stands out to me for a reason. Because actually a few weeks before that, some people may remember, but Nikolai Borsheski tips a Bob Rouse point shot, and they beat the Detroit Red Wings in the first round of the playoffs. That might have been the first time they got out of the first round of the playoffs that I was born for, and a lot of people that have been born recently have the same experience. But um, they actually won a series, and it was so exciting. And then the next series against St. Louis, and they won again. And then they had to face the L.A. Kings and Wayne Gretzky. This would be the second last series. And they were going to play them, and I was really excited they were so close, so close to making it to the Stanley Cup against the rival Montreal Canadiens. But then, on May 27th, 1993, disaster occurred, or as Leaf fans say, the expected occurred. So I'm going to introduce a few of the characters here. I think we have a picture of Doug Gilmore. Doug Gilmore, he wasn't the captain, but he was the best player on the Leafs. So he was really good. We're cheering for him. On the other side, there's Wayne Gretzky. You may have heard of him. Uh, Pretty good hockey player. A lot of people think maybe the best hockey player ever. But then this happened. This grainy photo. See, this is Gretzky and his stick about to hit Doug Gilmore's face. And do you notice we can go to Mars and have 4K video, but if someone, like, robs a convenience store or there's something like this, it's super blurry. But anyways, that is the picture. And Doug Gilmore's chin is cut. He is bleeding, which means Wayne Gretzky should be kicked out of this game. This is game six. The Leafs just have to win this to move on. But, Carrie Fraser. Oh, 
Leaf fans have had to miss communion a time or two because of this. He missed the call. He got the judgment wrong or he didn't see it. He since said, you know what, I just missed the call. And then we all know what happens next, which is the next picture. Of course, Wayne Gretzky, the guy who should have been kicked out of the game, he scores, they move on, and we're all sad as Leaf fans. This is a pattern that we've seen go over and over. And honestly, for decades, people legitimately get really mad at Kerry Fraser. It's, it's actually sad how much people looked at it. There's literally many documentaries on just this call, which is weird. It's really, really unhealthy, really, <laughs> when you think about it. But there's two reasons that this stung so much for my 13-year-old self that was so hopeful. Two reasons this stung. One, there was a bad judgment call there. And there clearly was. He's admitted as much. I've forgiven him long ago. Well, not too long ago, but I've forgiven him, and that's good. But there was also this thing with Wayne Gretzky when he played. And I don't know if if you remember, those of you old enough to have watched him play, which is probably a good number of you, but he tended to get favored a little bit. He tended to get the calls for him. It's like Wayne Gretzky is this guy who's like the greatest player perhaps ever, and he would still get calls, and it just didn't seem fair. Now today, I'm going to be talking about that. Not about the Leafs. I'm not just going to whine about the Leafs all day, I promise. I'm going to talk about when things just seem maybe not fair. When there's been bad judgments in our life, or we've seen favoritism in our life, and why this bothers us so much. And it's not something we talk about in church a whole lot, but as we go through this book of James, he actually has a lot to say about this. He sees this as something that's really important. So for those of you who don't know me, by the way, my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, Pastor Nathan and their family, they're away on holidays right now, so they are having a fantastic time. Uh, But a few weeks ago, Nathan started this series in the book of James. And he introduced this whole series, this whole book of the Bible, as this hard-hitting, no-punches-pulled truth bombs all over the place. And and in the first two weeks, Pastor Nathan went over chapter 1. And went verse by verse, and that's what we're going to do till we're at the end of this. I think it's going to be about 10 weeks. And the thing that's really interesting about this, so James is a half-brother of Jesus, but he doesn't hold any punches. He throws the truth out. He's not worried so much about offending people. He's more worried about correcting things that are on the inside, which I love that song, that that song was happening from the inside out. And that's really the purpose of uh, this book. So this week we're going to be starting chapter 2. Next week, Pastor Andrew is going to be finishing chapter 2. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about favoritism. And favoritism is one of those things that you're just like, that's really not a big deal. But if it happens, maybe in your work, maybe in your family, when it becomes personal, or when it happens in your church, it actually can become quite a big deal. It can destroy relationships. And I have seen people in my life that have literally left church, left faith altogether Because there was at least perceived favoritism in church, and they were just, they didn't like it. They were like, this is not authentic. So we're going to learn from James, and I'm just going to let you know now, there's going to be points, like as we go through the verses, it's going to sting a bit more. But that's good. That's a good thing, and and it's giving us an opportunity to make some changes. So I'm going to jump right in now and read verse 1, which says this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. So a couple things here uh, in that first verse is, uh, Nathan mentioned this last week, this book is written to Christians. It's written to believers. So that's good to keep that in mind as we go through. But it's interesting, must not show favoritism. 
It's almost like James is saying this is something that's important. And I know when I've read through this book in the past, you read about favoritism, you can be tempted to almost skim over it. Because you're like, is that really that important? But James is saying this is not optional, this is not insignificant. And the thing is, we will notice that there's different words depending on the translation of your Bible. And actually, even through the verses uh, we're going to today, um, when Julie read, it, it talked about partiality. And here, the version I have is going to talk about favoritism. It's all the same thing. We're going to be talking a little bit about discrimination as well. So we're going to have lots of fun with that. So let's read the next few verses. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, But say to the poor man, you stand over there, you sit on the floor by my feet. Like, the poor man doesn't even get a chair. You stand over there, you sit at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you could throw the next slide up, please, Henry. The beginning of favoritism is judging exclusively on externals. And James is saying this is ugly. And sadly, we do this in church all the time. I don't know if maybe some of you have seen this. I saw this video a few years ago of a pastor of a large church in the States, and he actually dressed up to look like someone that was homeless, and he sat at the front door of his church. And person after person after person came in to go to church that Sunday, wearing their Sunday best, showing up to the building, and a few of them stopped and invited him in and gave him some money and talked to him, but most of them avoided him. They didn't look at him. And they even would go in a different door and they didn't know there was kind of cameras rolling around. And then they started their service and they had their welcome guy like Andrew and the worship band played and it was time for the message. And this man walks down the middle aisle, gets up on stage, takes off parts of his costume so people recognize who it is and then starts teaching on these verses. Can you imagine the impact of that? But this is just saying that this is something that's important and that's in church. When we look at the outside of someone and say, I know this about you, therefore I've got you figured out. That's ugly. Basing our entire opinion and posture towards people just on those external. And in verse 4 it talks about it, um, when we judge, we're showing our evil thoughts. Which is why in Matthew 7, Jesus actually instructs us, do not judge. Why? It's like you're trying to take a speck out of your brother's eye, but there's actually a plank in your own eye. We're just not very good at judging. And it's not just a sight problem, though. I think it's a heart problem. We just take a glance at someone, and then we make up our whole mind about them. Do we see this happening anywhere in the world right now? We make our whole mind about everything about them by just a glance. I want to give you an example here. Um, So i got this jumbo deck of cards. It's kind of just a deck of cards, just a little bit bigger. But when I was growing up, I would go to my grandparents' place every summer for a week, and we would spend a ridiculous amount of time playing cards. And at first, we learned to play Go Fish, and then maybe Old Maid, and then we would graduate to Crazy Eights, and then it was we were getting serious, right? Then we started playing Canasta, a bit of Euchre. There was this game called 21 that I realized just very recently was actually basically Blackjack. Um, but we would play all these games with my grandparents. But the thing that I noticed, you'd get your hand of cards. 
And we use the same cards for almost every game. But we recognize that different cards have different values in different games. And sometimes in the same game, just a different hand that can have a totally different value. The one on the front here, I have the Joker, right? Any Jokers in here, Kelly? No? Um, (laughs) The Joker in Canasta is a really great card. You get bonus points, and it's a wild card. It's awesome. If you're playing Euchre, and someone deals this to you, you're the Joker. Like It's of no value. It does not help you at all. Now, if you're playing Euchre... And you have the jack of spades. This is a good card, right? If you turn this up, you have a few spades in your hand, you're like, this is a great card. It's actually the highest card you can have. But exact same game, different hands, someone makes it hearts. This is all of a sudden not a very significant card. See, each card holds a certain value. It holds a place. It has certain characteristics. But it's depending on the game, depending on the hand, will determine how valuable that that card is. They're different, but they're equal. And when I was thinking about it, I think of the human race, but all the people around us, and really we're just like a big deck of cards. There's different suits, different numbers, and there's different games that we're playing in different moments in our life, and we are all equally valuable. But we lose that sometimes. We forget that sometimes. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses, different personalities. We have different, maybe, places economically that we came into this life. We're we're very privileged to live where we are. There's a lot of people that were born into something that is nowhere near that we have. So different financial means, different family situations. We were all born and have these different things. But you know what? Sometimes what we do is we just, we're looking for a jack of spades all day long. And we're like, even in church, James is talking about in church. We're looking for the jack of spades, like someone who can sing awesome and speak and they have lots of money to be generous and all of that. But maybe it's the two hearts you're looking for in the middle of the night when you're at a hospital with your child and you just need someone to cry with you. And it just shows that we are all so important. And when we lose that is when favoritism can pop its ugly head in our lives. When we only look at those externals, See, the problem is when we do that, in in James he talks about discriminating between the rich and the poor, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Like, we can translate this over to race. Some people will see the skin color of someone and assume all kinds of tendencies and attributes. We can do that all the time. Maybe if we find out you all turn to your right or to your left and find out if the person beside you is a liberal or a conservative... We're going to assume all kinds of things about them, aren't we? There's going to be people... Talk about double standards. You can have it um, in the financial realm. Just watch the Super Bowl last weekend. Well, all of us are in, in homes with limited amount of people for our Super Bowl party. There's like tens of thousands of people just living life like nothing. It's like you look at these things and you're like, the double standard is weird. It doesn't make sense. But unfortunately, this happens in churches. And this can happen in our church. Pathway Church has been a melting pot. There are people here from all kinds of different denominations. There are people that used to be atheists here all over the place. It's so easy that we say, what did you grow up in? Oh, I grew up Baptist. And all of a sudden, in our head, we're like, oh, so that means you're this, this, and this. Ah, James is saying that is so ugly. So ugly. The thing is, We're not good at judging. That's why Jesus said that in Matthew, right? Speaking of Jesus, he lived life very differently, didn't he? 
See, Jesus, he hung out with the rich and the poor and treated them equally. He hung out with the religious and the irreligious, the sick and the poor, the tax collectors, the lepers. He hung out with absolutely everybody. But he treated them all the same because he wasn't just looking at the externals. He knew that they were each and every person, every person here, every person that Jesus came in contact with, he knew they were created by God. They were created with a high value on the inside. And whether they're a two of clubs or a jack of diamonds, he knew that they had tremendous, tremendous value. I've spent way too much time in the first few verses. All right, if we'll read uh, verse 5 here. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom, he promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? So we read these these verses, and he's continuing on. He's saying, you guys are judging people. Again, he's talking to Christians. He's like, you guys are judging people based on the externals. And it doesn't even make sense how you're judging them. It's, it's actually the rich that are exploiting you, but yet you still favor them. And we blindly favor them sometimes. In Matthew uh, 22, I, I thought this was a really interesting verse. Uh, Matthew twenty two sixteen. So it says, they sent their disciples. So this is the Pharisees. The Pharisees had their own set of disciples. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Really interesting, isn't it? That Jesus looked at people way different. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter the color of your skin. He treated everyone the same. Which brings us to verse 8. And this is where it might start to sting a little bit. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the laws as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. I don't know if anyone really wants to consider ourselves a lawbreaker, but what James is saying here is favoritism is sin. It is breaking the law. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes for myself, we, we try and we talk about uh, breaking a law, not the law. It's like, if I break a law, I'm still like 92% good. And it doesn't really work that way, right? Once you've broken one part of the law, you've broken the law. And that's what James is saying here. See, maybe you've lied once. You've murdered once. You've shown favoritism once. There's definitely different consequences to those things in this life. But they all bring you to the place where you need the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You need it desperately. And we don't even realize how much we need it sometimes. See, favoritism is a hard issue. Because so many times it's that little bit of sin, that little bit of judging, that little bit of thing, and it just flowers into favoritism that we show towards other people. And as I looked at this, so much of this is really rooted in selfishness, right? Right? Because when we think about sin, really, that's 
the, he talked about the royal law earlier. It's to love the Lord your God with everything in you and to love others as yourself. When we sin, we're really just putting ourselves ahead of God. We're putting ourselves ahead of the people around us. And I feel like that's what selfish, like that's what we do. We become so selfish when we judge people and we show favoritism. See, we might go over the top. Someone rich comes to us. We go over the top to make them feel really welcome. Like, it would be really tempting if, like, Mike Fisher, if you don't know, is from around here. If him and Carrie Underwood showed up right now. And in the back of my head, a lot of my time right now is on our building project. And I'm like, they could fund that thing and not notice it disappear from their bank account, right? And you could think these things and treat them different. And we probably do this way more than we think we do. And I think it started when we were like, about that big. And then in elementary school, it ramped up. And in high school, it was, it was high. But then we thought, maybe once I become 18, all of that pressure to try and impress these people based on externals is going to disappear. And does it? No, it doesn't. It continues on to the workplace, to families, to all those different times. And at times, and again, this is where it gets convicting. This is where We need to really check ourselves. There might be someone who's poor that shows up or someone who's really unpopular and we almost avoid them. It's like selfishly we don't want them to bring us down. Even though they might have exactly what we need in that moment, we look at the externals, we take a glance, we judge them and show favoritism and we lose out on what God has for us at the end of the day. See, favoritism is, I think I have a slider, favoritism is an issue, or it's impossible to discriminate and love at the same time. So as we're judging people and saying, you're this and you're that, and we just look at a few factors, we can't love someone when we're constantly going through that filter. We need to do something different. And James is kind of throughout all these verses, as I read it, it's like he's jumping up and down saying, guys, this is something you need to deal with. This is a heart thing, and it's something that needs to be dealt with. Which brings us to the last two verses for this morning. Say, speak and act as though those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Just think about that one for a second. I don't know about you, but I don't want judgment without mercy. But judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, Jesus had a better way. Before Jesus came, everyone was about nailing everyone for breaking every single law. And they're like, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, even made up rules. But Jesus actually leads with mercy. It's in our best interest to show mercy. As it says, we're going to be shown the same amount that we give. So before I start wrapping up now, I want to add some handles. We've been through the 13 verses I want to get it to the place, it's so easy, especially as we go through James, that we just read the verses, and we read it, and we might learn something, but we don't actually have something practical to take out of it. And I want to say this morning, it it won't be necessarily a three-step program to this, or getting rid of favoritism, but it's different things that we need to check ourselves, check our heart, check our mind, and we need to maybe make some changes, some tweaks in the way we think, which will change how we act. So... How do we get rid of favoritism in our hearts and our lives? How can we eliminate favoritism in our lives? So the first one I wanted to throw up here is recognize true value. I already talked about this quite a bit, but we often judge people based on externals. And we shouldn't do that. I actually heard this quote. This is not mine. 
Uh, I heard this pastor say this, real faith neither looks down nor tries to suck up based on externals. Doesn't sound super churchy. You don't say suck up a whole lot in church. But this makes so much sense. As Christians, we shouldn't be people that look down on anyone, whether here today or at work on Monday or at home with our kids or our friends. We shouldn't be looking down. Here's the thing that's really interesting about the cards. See, we look at externals of people. We look at this and we see all the different cards and we probably choose the ones we prefer. And then we make a judgment. We make a judgment on someone that is usually probably incorrect. And the thing is, God knows all these numbers, these suits, these colors, the attributes, the personalities, the characteristics. God knows all of it way better than we will ever know it. But God actually does this. He flips the deck around and he sees people, everyone, as his creation, as people that can choose to be his sons and his daughters. And when we're focused on this, what's in it for me? What can they do for me? God's like, no, no. And he treats us all the same. And that's what that scripture showing what Jesus did. That he would treat everyone the same. You know what? You're playing euchre and an eight is a useless card. As soon as you're playing crazy eights, it's a pretty awesome card, right? It's so important that we just recognize that people have intrinsic value from God. So number one is to recognize our va- uh, the value of others, the true value of others. The other one is this. Choose mercy. We ended this whole thing with mercy triumphs over judgment. And, and, and there was that scary verse right before that about... Mer- I have another scary verse if you wanted a couple scary verses this week. Second uh, Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due to us for the things we have done well in the body, whether good or bad. I'd be reading that and like, I hope Nathan never goes away again. Todd's grumpy. But I read this and we, we tend to gloss over that sometimes, but we're going to do that. See, we, we have salvation through Jesus. If we put our faith in him and make him the Lord of our life, we have salvation, but we are still going to have to stand before God, not with our spouse, not with our friends, not with our pastor. We are going to stand before God. It is in our best interest to show mercy. It's in our best interest to show mercy. I have a few gauges for you. um, Because as much as I might be saying you a lot, this has been convicting me all week. I I had a 15-minute drive from my house to the Kinsman Arena this week with my son. And three times, drivers did really stupid things, in my mind. And I explained to Cooper how dumb they were. And the whole time... My whole week, this message is going around my head. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm like, what an idiot. He doesn't even know how to turn. And it's like, it's so hard that we... Oh, it's, it, it's so hard. But I want us to just take a minute, just in our mind, to think about a few scenarios. Number one, this is just a gauge to see your level of mercy. What would your spouse, what would your friends, what would your kids, what would your coworkers, what would they say about you? Would they say, Todd is merciful? Or Todd's always out to get me. What would they say? We can ask ourselves that question. Maybe you can ask some of those people that question if you're really brave. What if this this would be really fun? What if all of us took turns throwing, we have the technology to do this, throwing our social media feeds right there in the big screen. And we look at all our posts from the past year. Would those be characterized as someone that is merciful 
or judgmental. Hey, there's so many divisive things out there right now. And and I I get people on both sides really, really, really strongly believe they're right. And and maybe like there's different areas that certain people are right and certain people aren't. And there's degrees of being right on all this stuff. It's really complicated stuff. But there's a posture that we can do that stuff with. We can do it to try and bring people along because we genuinely think we're going to help people or we can bash them over the head on social media. It seems to be a thing. The last thing I wanted to mention, and this is probably a really good test to see how merciful we are, is how easy is it for you to forgive other people? I'm going to give the really, really um, short version of this. But in Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus this, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Like Peter thinks he's a hero because he says seven times. And Jesus like, no, no, 70 times seven. Then he tells a parable about a master and he has a servant. The servant owes him 10,000 bags of gold. That's a lot of gold. But he can't pay it back. So he says, please have mercy on me and the master has mercy on him. The same day, this servant goes walking by a fellow servant who owes him a hundred silver coins. He's like, hey, you, you owe me money. He's like, oh, please have mercy on me. He's like, no. And it actually says in the Bible, he grabs him by the throat and gets him thrown in jail. Well, you can imagine the master finds out about this and he's like, how could you not have shown mercy where I showed mercy? And they actually throw him in jail in this parable. And in verse 35 of that, it says, this is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. One more really quick thing, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, Jesus is preaching some really, really important stuff to a lot of people. People are leaning right in as he teaches people how to pray. This is the Son of God teaching people how to pray to God. Would you not lean in? People are leaning in and it's our Father who art in heaven. And he goes through the prayer and he doesn't say amen. He actually says that God is willing to have mercy on you and forgive you of your sins, but you have to forgive others first. That one stings. That one stings. But you know what? These are some questions. These are some gauges to determine how much mercy we have. So if we don't want to show favoritism before uh, to, towards other people, we need to recognize that people have true value. We need to choose mercy. The next one doesn't sound very Christian-y, but it's the best I could come up with. Maybe I'll have a better one for the second service. Intermingle eagerly. <laughs> Intermingle eagerly. eagerly. It's one thing to have regret to hear something this morning and be like, ah, I, I feel like I'm missing the mark. But true repentance has a bit of that, but it actually causes you to change. Change your thinking, change your ways 180 degrees. If we look around and everyone around us looks like us, talks like us, dresses like us, makes close to what we make, votes like us, vaccinates like us, does everything with us, and if anyone ever disagrees, we just put up walls. That's a problem. That's a problem. We're gonna, we are judging people and it's going to cause us to have favoritism in our life. How on earth are we ever going to grow as people? How are we going to grow in love if we do that? We're really just setting up walls all over the place. And that's the ugly root of this. So I actually have another quote. Um, this one also not from me. And it says, proximity breeds empathy. Distance breeds suspicion. I don't know if you've heard that before, but it's so true. If you've seen the movie The Green Book, I don't know how many people have seen that, but it, it's essentially it's this... Um, it's this African-American classical musician, and he wants to travel through the southern states. But it's in the 60s. Racial tensions are really high. 
Long story short, he hires this Italian-American bodyguard, and when they first meet, the bodyguard's like, whoa, I'm not working for you. Like, he's, he's clearly very racist. Anyways, he needs the money really bad. He ends up going with them. They go through all this crazy stuff. All this crazy stuff. They get in fights together. But then, as they spend time together, they start to be like, hey, maybe what I saw on the outside isn't who you really are. And they actually get this really close bond, which is really cool to see. Honestly, after spending time with people that are not like us, we might learn something. We might be able to grow. We might gain other friends. It's something that's so important. If we don't want to show favoritism in our life, we have to have people around us that are different. And the last one, and it's simple, and it's something that's probably in every sermon I, (laughs) I preach, is refocus often on God. Spending time with God. It says in Scripture, God is love. It's where mercy flows out of. We need to spend time with God if we want to become more like Him. So perhaps this this morning you're seeing favoritism from a bit of a different angle. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But I hope you're seeing it as something that is actually really ugly. And James is saying it's in church. And we don't want to have that in our church. And as we begin to look at people correctly and judging correctly based on what God says about them, not what we see on the externals, I think that's going to help us not show favoritism. As we show mercy to other people, as we reach out to people that are different from us and as we spend time with God, I think we're going to cut down or eliminate that favoritism in our life. We're going to grow in love. I think we're going to have more joy and peace in our life. I think we're going to be better witnesses for Jesus. Witnesses is kind of a Christianese word, but the people that are outside this church are going to notice something different about us instead of something just the same old judgmental people. We might notice people in our lives that we previously totally discounted because something we see on the outside, they might be the key to some victory in your life right now. We might notice some people that we, some rich people, the people that are kind of used in this are like, oh, you're favoring the rich. Maybe there's some rich people that you see right now and maybe they have something more to offer you than money. But we've, we've been missing it for so long. And maybe we'll get to know some people that we previously just stayed away because they believe something we don't believe. So we want nothing to do with them. And we'll gain someone that God wanted in our life. I just think as we do these things, we're going to recognize there's a lot of really awesome, incredible people around us that we didn't even realize were there. Really valuable people, regardless of their externals. And uh, it's just so important that we heed these words of James, as harsh as it might be sometimes, but there's so much good that will come out of it. Can I pray? God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book of James, God. Sometimes, God, it it feels like a bit of a harsh word. And, And sometimes it stings a little bit, God. But these are opportunities for us to grow, Father. So I pray that you'd just help us this week as we reevaluate things in our life. God, you'd help us to have the boldness to make changes in our life, God. That we might become more like you, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's it from us here at Pathway Church. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Please visit our website, pathwaylife.com, for any or all information you might be looking for. Also visit our Instagram page, instagram.com forward slash pathwaylifechurch or facebook.com forward slash pathwaylife. And if you need prayer or care, our website, pathwaylife.com forward slash care. Have a great week. 
and we hope to see you real soon. Bye.